Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. All right. Just, so what? No I was one hoping to get is. through the day without being uh, threatened with physical violence. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> See what you didn't know, David. And I'm very sorry for this. We probably all should have been more transparent, and honest with you. But this is really an intervention into your business. Now I've been telling Cecil how many struggles you've had recently, and the fact that you're <laughs> thinking about closing down. So I was just going to say, like Eric and Laura, if I could walk away tomorrow. I would We're lock them you. suckers up and walk away. Well, middle Eric fingers in the air as I'm walking away. <laughs> okay, that's what's happening here. You guys sound like you want a second shop in Kansas. Let me tell you. Yeah, Kansas. Mm, I don't think Kansas <laughs> is is the place for me. Why? Mm, what's what's so just, great about Ohio? There's nothing not great Ohio, about okay? Ohio. It's <laughs> like Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> We are we are far closer to the mountains, and if you've ever been to the Rockies, they are gorgeous, gorgeous. Okay, then see within a a half a day's drive, you are knee deep in Rocky Mountain beauty. In three hours drive, I can be in Appalachians. Appalachians! Oh my God! (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's not the same. It's the Appalachians. The Whatever. Appalachian Mountains. I swear, not Appalachians. <laughs> no. Fine. The oh, Appalachians no. Mountains. They're gonna. They're gonna. I hate to tell y'all, but if anybody ever hears this, they gonna hang me up here. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's terrible. I'm terrible. I'm gonna go ahead All and right. say it. it's not the same. It's not the same. No, mm. it's different for sure. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Laura Lee, how you doing? I'm real good. Lucas, how you doing? I'm good. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Better than I was. Uh, I, I heard. Cecil, mm. how you doing, buddy? I am. I couldn't be any better if I was quite two of me. I understand. I so, like that um, tree behind you. Yeah, that's a nice tree. They were going to put a cactus. There was supposed to be a cactus back there. And- <laughs> Cecil slapped the cactus out of the way. He's like, I don't want the cactus. He just slapped it right out of the way. It's pretty great. I mean, glad we got it on video. Um, thanks, David. Uh, so we're, we're here today, and and this is an interesting story because Laura Lee, you and Eric wanted to come here and share a pretty emotional story, a pretty deep story. And we wanted to make sure that you had an opportunity to share it in all its glory, right? We wanted you to be able to share your emotion. We wanted you to be able to, to share in a big way what happened, because I know it's been very emotional. 
And I've been in your shoes before. I know what this feels like. And we also asked Cecil to be here because Cecil kind of guided y'all through it and was at that 30,000 foot level. And, and sometimes when we're going through something like this, we have one perspective. And I think it's important to have Cecil's perspective here. And that's because I'm sure he saw things differently than y'all did. And I think that maybe the fact that he saw those things differently is part of what helped get this turned around. And I mean, this was a pretty miraculous turnaround. And so, Laura Lee, why don't you why don't you tell us the story? Um well, we can go back as far as you'd like. Um it's kind of it's a tedious story, so I'll just kind of wrap it up quickly. We wanted to be absentee owners. And in order to do that, we overlooked some things that were going on. And even though <laughs> we physically saw and knew some things were going on, we allowed the policies to be broken. And we gave a lot of reasons for excuses. And at the end of the day, that cost us an enormous amount of money. It cost us our team. Looking back now, I feel like it probably cost us a lot of other team members. And I probably was placing blame in the wrong place. Um, and it ultimately almost cost us our business. So, so let's, let's take it back a step. When did you start the shop? Uh, started in 09. Okay. And, and, and y'all were a couple when you started the shop? Nope. Okay. Tell us a little bit of the timeline. Um, so I worked at a Chrysler dealership, uh, for the majority of my career, um, spent some time, good time in independence as well. So I was pretty, pretty well-rounded technician. Um, you know, and as the old story goes, technician turned owner. Um, <clears throat> so basically when the housing market fell apart, um, you know, as we all know, Chrysler announced a bankruptcy, uh, consumers are not well-educated on how that stuff works. And so the work went away. Um, it's making pretty good money at the dealership and, uh, the, the work just went away. I think, I think the, uh, the deciding factor, I've always wanted to start a shop, but the deciding factor was I watched, uh, two guys get in a fight over an oil change and that's how bad it got. And, uh, I pretty much was done at that point. Um, so I started putting some stuff together to get the shop going. I had a lot of a lot of equipment already because I was doing some side work at the house and you know the the age old thing that we're doing. But uh, so in July of '09, I jumped ship, put my two weeks in, um, and opened my doors, and pretty much was sitting at a desk wondering what the heck I had just done. Because I had quit a job that I was at for quite some time, uh, making good money. Well, was making good money until the market fell apart. But uh, and I did the traditional things that, <clears throat> um, you know, owners uh, or text turned owners typically do. So uh, you know, I, I go in there, and all I'm thinking is, man, if I can just turn out some work, get some customers in here, we're making money. I didn't know anything about KPIs. I didn't know anything about process. I didn't know anything about shop manuals and SOPs. Um, <clears throat> and I did that for three years in a 1,200 square foot building uh, that I found. 
and um, I met. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Oral E in 2011. Uh, I was engaged prior to that, and I actually caught... Um, I'm not a homewrecker, by the way. I did not break <laughs> No, 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 no. There was some time <laughs> Just between. So we're clear. There was some time between <laughs> those. You <laughs> sure we'll let him finish his story? Um, okay. <laughs> no, there's definitely there's definitely some time between. But uh, we we understand. Listen, we know that y'all are probably in the same building, and we also know she's got a reputation for abusing people. And if you're in trouble, okay? Uh, I got Please. the door barricaded. It's blocked up <laughs> okay, over here. Yeah, so we're good. Sure. We're good. Okay. Boy, um, and I got a window so out to the shop so I can flag a tech down to get some help. Okay. Um, good. okay. So we're good. <laughs> we'll make sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, there was some time between, but uh, I was I was engaged um, and uh, I, I had learned some things about a relationship that everybody dreads in a relationship and... Uh, uh, we decided to talk that out and work through it. And a couple weeks later, I started going through bank accounts and I was pretty busy. And I'm like, man, I really should be growing this bank account more than I'm seeing it. And my suspicion led me to start digging. And uh, I found that she was actually uh, moving money out of our accounts. And um, I was unaware of it. And that was pretty much the end of all that. So, uh, you know, I left and sent her packing. And, um, ran my shop for a while by myself, uh, met Laurel Lee. I moved down to Cincinnati, um, from where I was living up North. And, uh, that's kind of where I met Laurel Lee at. Uh, we were both living in the city at the point, that point in time. Laurel Lee was relatively freshly back from New York. She'd spent about 10 years of her life there, uh, in her career, uh, in cosmetics and makeup. And, um, uh, she got on board with me, uh, geez, what, uh, after Emma was born and no, I decided it was like when we found out we were pregnant, 2016 is when yeah. I, yeah. So she, she well, decided to yeah, leave her 15, career. 16. 
uh, in 16 after Emma was born. Uh, well, right before she was born, she made the decision that, hey, I think I want to stay home. And we're like, well, okay, you know, we'll have to figure it out, which we tend to all do. Um, so we figured it out financially and made it work. And um, so about that time, my dad was actually helping with books uh, and reconciling parts and so forth. Uh, very basic stuff, still was not very privy to <clears throat> operate in a business. At this time, we'd moved into a larger building as well. Um, so we went from about 1,200 square foot to about 5,200, 4,800, somewhere around there. And um, my dad uh, comes from the banking industry. So, of course, I felt very good with running financials with him. Um, now, my dad is a very old school guy, so he's very conservative. And we know in business, if you're conservative, you're probably not moving forward. Um, yeah. you, th there's an element of risk taking with that. And, uh, he, he wasn't trying to hear none of that risk taking. So, uh, or we started coming in the shop and helping a little bit. And then one day he just looked at me and said, Hey, in January, I'm done. I'm going to fully retire. And, uh, I said, Oh, well, that wasn't very much time, couple months. Um, so I went home, told Orly and, and she grabbed the rings and, Dad trained her on what his processes were so he, she could pick that up. And then a, we quickly learned that there were some holes in our processes. Uh, we grew stagnant, about a half million dollars. Uh, I tried a lot of different things uh, to, to come out of that, that stagnant situation. We weren't doing bad, but we were stagnant. And uh, I actually reached out to the editor at the time of Ratchet & Wrench. And he guided me towards Elite Worldwide. Mm -hmm. And uh, we took a coach, uh, Mike Cost, fantastic person, uh, excellent to work with, uh, the, the knowledge base, extremely big. Um, he was an absentee owner, uh, multiple shops. Uh, so we learned everything about KPIs, processes, so forth with them. Uh, they helped us develop all of that. And uh, that's when things started growing pretty quickly. Uh, things started moving pretty good, and uh, then in 17, uh, we moved to our facility that we're in right now, which is uh, uh, 12,000 square foot in one building, about 3,800 square foot in our satellite building, and uh, we're on par to try to purchase this property at this point, and I would say within a couple of years, we'll probably purchase this, so that's kind of where we're at. So, a couple months back... And and I don't mean to get you in trouble with Laura Lee over here, but a couple months I ain't worried about her. You reached out, and it we had a pretty emotional conversation, a pretty tough conversation. It was. Um, tell me, tell me what was going through your head because you, I we've been friends for a while now, and I could feel the sheer panic. Like I could literally feel you in in a panic of of I don't know what to do here. Tell, tell me, tell me how you were feeling. Yeah, so um, we had a really good staff at our other building. Um, we moved, you know, we, I, I quickly learned a business that we're never going to retain staff forever. You know, that's always a misnomer to new business owners, I believe, especially in shops, is that we get this great team and we're just going to keep them forever. You know, we, uh, I personally did not have enough hindsight to say, hey, these people may leave. Yeah. Um, and of course we're developing a business, which has its pain points as well. And, um, so we moved over to the new building with that and, uh, brought those guys over. And then 
we had a big shift in employees. Um, and with those pain points, we have employees that don't want to buy in on the process or our ideologies or any of those things. So, um, you know, that's tough to swallow too and frustrating to try to get somebody to buy in. Um, and some people aren't ever going to buy in to your process. They just are not those, they're not your people. They're not the same thinkers as you. Um, so we had, we had decent amount of turnover. Um, especially when we got into the big building, uh, we're in the big building, we've got big overhead, we got to push, um, and we maybe have pushed in the wrong direction or pushed the wrong way on people. Um, I'm a guy that will take fault when things go wrong in a shop. I'm 100% responsible for the things that go wrong in our shop. Um, there's nobody else but me to blame. Uh, so we had big turnover, which discouraged me. Um, and I started to get pretty burned out. Uh, when we opened the shop, we were short-staffed. We have a large facility. And I essentially work myself to death. Uh, and when I get stressed out, I want to work more. And so it was kind of a parabolic thing that just kept sucking me in further and further to the point where I got into burnout to the point where uh, I struggled with some pretty heavy mental issues. And uh, then all of the, these items started coming to a head with uh, our service riders and car count and, and just we just we would come up with processes and say, hey, these are things. And they would just blatantly say, well, I'm not doing that. I don't believe that, this and that. And, um, you know, so it just wasn't really going the way that we wanted to push people. And uh, our car count declined and continued to decline. Um, Drastically. And at this point now, I've been hit in the head so many times with so many different things from so many different avenues that I just kind of gave up. Um, I really didn't want the shop anymore. We both seriously talked about auctioning the shop off, not even selling. Um, We did eventually have a... um, a shop company reach out to us that was acquiring shops. Uh, they're specifically right now acquiring shops in the Midwest. Um, I had a great conversation with a man. I know how to evaluate a business. I knew where we were going to land, which is pretty much exactly where he landed with his evaluation. And I wasn't happy with that number. Too much work, too much time spent, too many sleepless nights, too much stress. Uh, I feel like I should be compensated more for it, as we all do in business. So my thought was we need to pump up our uh, cash flow. Cash flow, I, I need to pump up the cash flow and get that going so we can value the business better. And at this point, I still wanted to let go of the business. But, uh, you know, pumping up cash flow from a near-dead business is extremely difficult. Yeah, and. and- I, I remember that conversation because it, it was it was emotional for me, right? Because I remember being there. I remember yeah. being in that spot, and and then I realized how much you had on your shoulders, financially speaking, right? Yeah. And and yeah. man, my heart poured out in that. Like I, I don't know if you know this or not, but dude, that that was heavy for me because I realized just how big of a situation it was. Do you do you feel comfortable sharing where you were right then? 
I mean, you you were pretty close to the brink of a couple different scenarios, right? We were. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I obviously struggled with the, the notion of actually keeping the business. Um, I did get to a point where I didn't care what happened to the business anymore. Uh, I didn't care if it just fell apart and people came after us. I mean, the biggest saving grace for us is we don't have huge amounts of debt compared to yep. most businesses, especially for the size of our company. Right. Um, but mentally, it took me down a very, very dark path. Um, you know, we, we, I, I contemplated some things that I, w- I would rather not talk about. Um, of course. Of course. But, uh, you know, there, there was basically my brain was in survival mode of, of how do I get out of this? situation yeah, we how do from, i remove the stress yeah we went from running like you know the 20 dollars week and i think the week that it broke for us the week that we said everybody's gone like we're gutting it tomorrow when we go in we closed with four thousand dollars one forty three hundred and twenty five dollars and um, i saw that closing number and eric came home and i said monday everyone's gone monday that was the only way I was staying on board. I was already looking for jobs and interviewing other places. I was done. Yeah. Like I was done. I was out. I think Pri- I even prior- came to the ASOG board and told you guys, I don't think I deserve a spot on the board. Yeah, I, I can't lead. Yeah. I'm a bad leader. Well, prior to that situation, um, I had reached out to you, uh, Lucas, because I knew that you had recently went through letting go of an advisor. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal. I have four years with this man. I liked him. Uh, I still don't feel any sort of way about it. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, it's business. Um, We just didn't want to believe what was happening. We didn't want to believe it. And it was. And it was an ignorant thought process from my end of things for the simple fact that it was a belief thing. I can't believe this is happening. We had such a good thing going. Uh, We were doing over $25,000 a week. Uh, you know, we, we would hover in the high 20s to low 30s, mid 30s, uh, pretty consistently. Um, and so, of course, I start digging through financials. I start digging through processes. I start pulling tickets and inspections and auditing all this stuff. And I start just finding unbelievable amounts of holes, no documentation of anything, handfuls of cars going through where they got absolutely no process and then i go out and i talk to technician and they're like well they told me not to do a process well why you know you need to do a process every single time we do these cars and it just no one cared no one cared no matter how many times i said something um so i started digging i found a lot of discrepancies and then once i found those i was kind of like well how do I prove to myself that I need to do what I think I need to do? And that's when I reached out to you and, you know, to write a million a year in, in, in sales is, is extremely difficult. Um, I can't do it. I go out of my mind in like four weeks. I'm not, I'm not a great service advisor as most tech prior technicians aren't. I'm good with people. I can diffuse situations extremely well. I can talk to people well. I just don't like the sales part of it. I don't like telling people that, hey, you need $5,200 worth of work on this poor car, you know? And they're like, you know, I just, I, I just, I'm not that guy. But, uh, 
So, you know, once we started doing that and I saw this evidence of just the sheer lack of care, documentation, <laughs> care processes, following anything, any sort of thing, um, I actually started calling out, calling some of my good clients uh, out of the blue, some good clients that I have interpersonal relationships with that I hadn't seen for some time. And I just asked him, I was like, man, I know this is a weird phone call. I said, I'm trying to figure out some things in my business here. We got some things going on. Tell me a little bit about our service advisor and tell me a little bit about your experience in the process of the intake and the, uh, you know, the receiving of your vehicle. And, and a lot of people gave me good Things to say, you know, that I heard good things, um, you know, and not all of it was bad. And I know that our advisor had very good rapport with people. I mean, we had a situation where somebody tried to bash us on a local community forum. Uh, they were completely out of line and incorrect in the situation. And the community actually stepped up and, and praised our service advisor. So I know he's doing a great job of rapport. Something until happened, though, at one point in time. Until he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something happened. happened. I don't know what it is. I, it's not my place to ask. Um, I can tell you that it was enough to be concerned for him. Uh, depression, on, maybe feeling. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. <laughs> so you're finding these holes and you go to the service advisor and say, hey, this car that just got. Uh, checked out, uh, didn't have a DVI on it, uh, 300% rule wasn't followed, what's <laughs> going on? And his answer was? Oh, excuse, well, there's a different excuse, excuse for every single thing. So many. This, yeah. I mean, I uh, how much that time you got accepted. for excuses? But, I, but that was my fault as an owner is, is accepting that instead of putting my foot down and saying, this is our process, this is the reason we follow this process, and this is why this process is important for our business. And because we don't want to do a disservice to our clients. Um, we gave a long lead way. And a very tiny rope is what we should have gave him. But we gave him a long rope. <laughs> and and, and time, we hung ourselves with that rope. By, by the time okay, you got to the end of that rope, I mean, Laura Lee, you were upset. I, I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever seen you I that anybody, mad about anybody. Anybody would be upset. Well, she had already checked hostility. out. Yeah, she had already checked out. I was the only one that was still grinding myself to pieces on it. She was trying to help, but she was also checked. Um, now, coupled with this situation, we had made some bad choices in hiring. Um, we had an excellent technician that got chased off, went to a competitor up the road. Uh, I lost him in this uh, couple weeks' time. I had two technicians that might have had 10% efficiency. I mean, it was insane, and, you know, this happened because I allowed it to happen because I didn't care anymore. Um, so, coupled with technicians that didn't want to move work and wanted to sit in a bathroom all day or sit in a chair or do something stupid, and then the lack of care up front. Um, I, I want to put on the record, though, that I don't think the lack of care was intentional. Like I said, I feel like there was something else going on because it's yeah. not his statute of personality. We had three years of good and then this twist and then a very strong seven months of bad. Yeah. 
and it could have we kept thinking it, it would been turn me. around you know and i think that's why we hung out so long is we kept thinking oh this is gonna turn around this will yeah. turn around but this and is when i just... called you yeah and i asked for your opinion on it should i let the, this guy the go sales go like were they still maintaining no the sales no so over the she, they were kind of going like said, this okay you know so you would have a it would putter week, along and then get these on a bad week and then a good yeah week. they yeah. would get these random fire yeah. offs where you got a little bit of hope back you know and yeah. so we'd be like oh um, it's ramping back up we really saw that around like August of 2022 and I started this is what made me actually pay attention we have a shop owner David Philhaber he came through and he was going to some conference in yeah. Nashville or something he called and said hey I'd like to come up through your shop and have an oil change done. Why well, I didn't really tell my service advisor that I was having a shop owner come. I just had him come. And I said, I want to know what your idea of our shop is after you leave. The notes he gave me were like, I was, I was standing there with my mouth open. Like, none of this is what you should have experienced. And he looked at me. He goes, I expected way more out of you. And that, like, <laughs> Whoa, what did he say? Hold on, me. I want to hear the notes. What's the notes? Just like <clears throat> that my service advisor had no trust in our team. He did not think that the technicians were skilled enough to be in the facility. No inspection. That let me know right then that that was part of our reason for tech turnover is because there was not a supportive service team giving them any love. He got, he was told to not inspect his car. He ran it through the oil change and gave it back to him all like disheveled. Like, I guess it wasn't even like really put back together the correct way. Um, he got no notes. He got no, none of what we set in place for the experience to be like. So I started sending in secret shoppers, people that had never been to our shop before. I was just giving work away. Hey, come, I'm gonna give you a tire rotation. Just go to my shop and tell me what you think. And I had a form that they had to fill out. And I consistently saw in every form, there was no customer service. There was no process. None of the, I had a man that wanted to spend money here with us. And he wouldn't call him back to book the job. I, I am, like, I'm completely, uh, I'm trying to understand here. I, I am so non-confrontational. I don't want to, like, have to talk to anybody about anything. And I don't want to approach anybody and ask them why they didn't do their job. Like, I don't, I hate that. It gives me anxiety. I just, I want to avoid it like the plague. And so I am very easy to just dismiss. But I am, I am, but, (laughs) but, but if I got to the point where I had to send in a secret shopper, I'm done. I'm firing everybody and we're burning the place down because I, I, no, no, I I don't understand. Like we're right there, man. That's where I was. The guy hands you like the the guy (laughs) that that's non-confrontational. Well, no, hold on. The guy gives you a no DVI on this ticket one time. One time, Correct. I go to him and I and I go, "Hey, why is there no DVI on this ticket?" Well, you see, what ha- happened was excuse, excuse, excuse. So, so okay, <laughs> but w- we have to do this every single time. You understand that, right? And, and he's like, "Uh huh." It's like w- we put this in place, you and I. Uh huh. Oh, okay. The next one, I'm bye losing bye. my mind. I'm, yep. Well, I'm not firing. I hate firing people, but I'm gonna lose my mind. Like I will lose my ever flipping mind. I mean, I'm kind of numb to the firing thing at this point. I mean, it's just part of... Well, listen. Firing. No, hold on. <laughs> like, it's, listen. It's too easy to fire that person. 
I want an answer. I need to understand. Like the, because I'm if we pressing you guys, because I need to understand. To do this everything. doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, man. I mean, if it's we like him, we were then going to have to be the people that did everything, and we were not trying to be the people that did everything. We want. Yeah. We all just to resonated be with David. I can't resonate with that. Fine, owner. get out of the I, Just do it the, myself. The whole situation here was tolerance of something that should have been intolerable. I tolerated yes. low production from my staff in the back for far too long. I this is all one hundred percent my fault. Um, the whole situation. But I tolerated the lack of care and ability up front. Um, I tolerated I'm, way too much bullcrap. I mean, it, you're you're falling on the sword, and I appreciate that. But I, those I'm are facts. In the, uh, I'm interested in the mindset. Like, so he he tells you an excuse. I, I'm just curious, like. Well, at that point, I was done, What's the David. I mean, dialogue look like? yeah, you at that just, point, I was done, man. I mean, I just, really I just didn't done care then because we had like I was harping on tech. These technicians are not efficient and productive. They're not in line with what we need to have in line. Now, looking back, it was all probably due to service. Um, but my service person was the most loyal person in the building. He never called off in four years. The man didn't come to work like he came to work like he was not sick he was the most loyal he had deep relationships he was bringing in fleet work um there were so many things that we were loving about it that we were overwilling to look some of the things that were going on and then the things were getting cringier and cringier and i think i was looking in the wrong place for the blame so when i'm trying to be like this technician's not working now there were many that were not working at the end of the day, that meant Eric was going to have to go back to wrench. If we get rid of service, that means Eric's going to have to go right service because I can't do either of those jobs. And we were just trying to keep it off of his back because he was already like mentally declining with the things that were going on. And I was like, there's no way this man can take anything else. So part of it was to protect us. At the end of the day, it didn't protect us. It didn't protect our staff. And it came to an ugly head. And... Uh, you know, Here we are. that that speaks to me. And and <laughs> and here's the thing is is one of the things that Eric and I talked about that night was is like it kind of came down to that. And and there were multiple times that I found myself in that situation. And and there were a lot of times in life that as opposed to confronting the situation, I tried to avoid confronting the situation. And all that did was make the confrontation that much worse when I finally did have to deal with it. I've because seen you almost get into away. fist fights with people in on your camera. What are not, you talking about? Not since about? I started the shop. That's been years and years and years and years. He's a well, different man now. Video. I video He's a different man now. Otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. All right. Let, let's, let's move this to Cecil now. Because Cecil, I'm not going to lie. You hear a story like that. And my first thought is, is I don't know if a business like that can be saved. Right, because that that's a mess, man, and and the fact that the owner has partially given up, and we had no money left. Now, no money, financials were gone. No, no. Part of the staff is pretty much gone at this point. I mean, they might be in the building, but they're they're gone. Fifty thousand a month I mean, in overhead. The, the way I I look at it is is I've got a shop. I'm in a I'm in a city. There are clients. There's I've got all the equipment. Of course, it can be saved. All right. Um, what happens, or what had happened was, uh, what happened was <laughs> they weren't they they wanted to be absentee owners, 
but they didn't set it up for them to be absentee owners, meaning there are certain things that you need to pay attention to, whether you're an absentee owner or not, or someone else needs to pay attention to in your business. And, you know, what are the inspections? Uh, one of the first things we often do when we walk into a, a business that is not doing well is we look at, we do a work order quality control. You know, I look at the work order. How old are the cars? Uh, you know, what do, what are we finding? What are we selling? Before we, before we blame the techs, we often interview techs and, and service team and, and try to figure out, is there any trust here? You know, are there trust issues, et cetera? If, if, if you had backed that up and maybe two years prior, when you were paying attention, you were looking at your uh, opportunity and you watched your opportunity fall, then you could say to yourself, oh, I better go look at work orders. What, why is there not enough opportunity here? So car comes in, it's got 100,000 miles on it. Uh, it's a Chrysler. What do I expect? Well, I expect it to have three or $4,000 worth of crap needs yeah. to be done. That's, that's what I expect. And instead, what I see is an inspection sheet that's either not filled out or it's all green. Pencil well, to me, that's, that's like, you know, red flag. All of a sudden, the check engine light's on, right? Uh-oh, check engine light's on. Uh, is there really a problem here? Well, it's not, the machine's still running, right? And it's still running okay. But that flag right there should have told me, you've got an issue, right? Uh, we're not inspecting cars. Well, why aren't we inspecting cars? No management. Nobody's making it happen, right? So you look at this and you say, okay, wow, here's a shop that, I don't know, a year ago was doing 25000 a week approximately, and now it's doing four. Well, of course the owners are in a panic. And, and how, do, how do we fix that? Uh, you know, so the first conversation, I think, was, well, we need more car count. We need more car count. Oh, wait a minute. You know, are we doing inspections? Uh, are we... Am I there? Yeah, you're you're there. Go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit of trouble in my uh, probably in my internet. So, um, are we doing inspections? Are we? I I, I don't want to just add car count. I I want to make sure that we're you know doing inspections properly, and and I want to make sure that everything is working the way that it's supposed to. Are you guys? Am I still here? Because yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. and you can hear me well. All right. Yes. And and so, but you have to, you know, you have to stand back from your business. You have to look at that thirty thousand foot view. And you know, I think the second thing, um, you first you you talk to the owners and you try to figure out what's going on. Are they really completely checked out? Is there, you know, can we get them back invested in their company? And then uh, the next thing was send me some phone calls. I want to hear what's going on. And I think when they sent me phone calls that I could listen to, mm. it actually for them was like a huge wake-up call. Yeah. Um, I remember it was a Friday. I sat down to listen to the phone calls, and I'm talking to him on Saturday going, you got to fire this guy. He's got to mm -hmm. go Monday morning first thing. You cannot what, have this guy in front what, of anybody. What was it in the phone calls, Cecil? What What did you hear that, <laughs> that made you say that? Oh, my – I can't even – I, you know, I've heard, I've I've listened to tens of thousands of service advisor phone calls. The first phone call I got was actually someone from an association looking for Laura Lee because she was going to speak. Oh my and, god, I forgot about that. Yeah, and the and, yeah. and the service advisor, the guy that was there, was like, 
well, uh, uh, she's never around here anymore. And you're like, okay. Um, and, the, and the woman was like, well, hey, I'm from this association. I understand if, if this is the, what do you call it, the gatekeeper, right? You know, mm-hmm. hey, well, we don't just push through calls through to her all the time. But he wasn't, that isn't what it was. He was like, oh, no, she, she, we, she's been pushed out of the business. That was the exact words he used. Holy it was like, cow, oh, seriously? Oh, my God. Right? Yes. Oh, my God, we, we got a problem. And then you Her listen. name's on the building. What is yeah. How damaging yeah. is that in Pushed a professional out. career? How damaging yeah. is that? We were supposed yeah, to mean, speak on a panel like three weeks later, and she thought I was gone. Yeah, she thought you were, I don't know, maybe you passed away or something. The way it was being <laughs> talked about, it wasn't even that. It was like, well, I, I got rid of her because she was terrible. And, and even his, the way he spoke, his attitude, everything was like, this is an inconvenience. I don't want to talk to this person. And he right. was just not, he was not helpful. And that was the, that was the gist of every phone call I listened to. It, you know, this is a person who somewhere along the way got ruined for whatever reason. Maybe, so, maybe he, once he took over kind of managing and they decided to be absentee owners, the pressure got to him and he didn't talk to him and he didn't, but, but he felt like, um, I, I, I deserve better than this or whatever. And it just went downhill from them. There. So, Cecil, let me ask you this. Because I, I have been in that state of panic before. Mm-hmm. And sometimes getting through to somebody that's in that state of panic is not as simple as saying, oh, don't worry, this can be fixed. It's not that big of a deal. Let's just do this, right? I have a feeling that Eric wasn't as easy to get through to as simply calling and saying, do this. Well, tell me either, I don't think either one I mean it's um, okay we got we got three month window here we need to get this fixed are you guys willing to do what it takes there, there's there, there's kind of a sometimes there's a hard conversation as a coach that you have to have like mm-hmm. are you guys do you really I, I don't think that most business owners especially techs that became shop owners I think they're just like oh I'll just go to work for somebody I don't think they realize what they're really saying you know, I'm going to yeah. give up this dream that I've had that I've worked for for 10 years because somebody else is literally ruining it for me mm-hmm. rather than go fire that person, grab the bull by the horns, get the the processes back in place, make sure we're checking out cars. I think, you know, when we recognize this, probably two or three weeks in, and it was like, okay, holy smokes, I, I know exactly what the problem is. Okay, now we know what the problem is. What's the solution? And so we got to terminate this guy. I think I said, do you know anybody that can answer the phone with a, you know, with a smile like, hey, thank you for calling. We're glad to have you. Anybody that you could hire just to even answer the phone and, and book an appointment. And they were like, yeah, we got this, this gal that we know really well. We could get her in here. And, you know, dang it. We, we, you know, I think Eric went to work on Monday. I'm pretty sure he wasn't happy to go to work and terminate somebody, but he terminated the guy. And, uh, you know, at the end of the week, we had a great week. It yeah. was like, oh. I had just terminated my entire shop as well, including my lead technician that left. So by Monday, I had a guy, I had a new hire in the back. He had been there for mm-hmm. two weeks, um, 27, younger guy, not totally green, but green enough. And uh, I, I remember... I had let go of the other guys the prior week, and then that's when Cecil and I had had the conversation on Friday. Um, He basically said, well, I think you've got your answer. You know what you need to do. And I said, yeah. And that's when it came, and I said, you know, we got to let it go. So 
it was funny. It's not funny, but it is. So we let him go, and he, he took it with a bit of grace. I will say that. Um, you know, he wanted to know why, but it's not something that I was willing to talk about. Uh, I just said it was performance and financial, and that was it. And uh, he went on about his way. So I went out back, and of course, that was a million pounds let off my shoulders yeah. as well, as we all know when that happens. Sure. And I went out back, and my one last remaining technician that had been with me for only two weeks, he's like, where is everybody? And I said, well, <laughs> I no, said, well, man, I said, everybody. I let him hey, go. Baby. And he goes, you what? And his eyes were so big, and I said, hey, man, why don't you, why don't you come on in my office here? And so I had realized that. He probably that thought that he was being let go. <laughs> he, 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 he probably did. I said, hey, man, let's go talk about it real quick. And he obliged and came along. And so he sat down and I said, listen, man, here's where we're at. I said, you've been here for two weeks. You've seen the nonsense going on with the lazy technicians and the things that weren't happening in the low production. Um, we had billed the week prior 4325 bucks, I think it was. Uh, for the entire week, where we were normally billing 25 plus. Um, and I sat him down. I said, man, here's the deal. I said, we're going to start over. I said, I've let go of everybody. You're the only man standing. Me and you are going to learn to estimate. We're going to learn to use this tech metric real well. And uh, that's what I did. I taught him to estimate. I went out in the shop. Um, we had hired... Um, Savannah a couple weeks prior and her start yeah, date was that week. Yeah, she started the day that that had happened. So that couldn't have worked out any better. So Laura Lee came along, helped her, trained her. So her and Laura Lee worked the front counter. Um, we went in the back. I, I bumped out work. He bumped out work. And then what we were both doing is actually estimating in the shop where we normally uh, estimate in the office with the service advisor. And uh, so we were doing the estimates, and then what we were doing is utilizing tech metrics, uh, text and SMS and, and email to send the estimates. And then what we would do is about 10 minutes after we sent that, 15 minutes later, I would run up front and I say, hey, Orly, just call these people, check on them, see if they have any questions, anything like that on this estimate. Surprisingly, it worked quite well. The closing ratio was pretty good. Um, Way so than that I thought that would work. Yeah, man, it worked r real well actually, as as David already knows. <laughs> so um, you know, that week we turned well, we do twenty one thousand and some change yeah, that that like, week. It would with just instant turnaround. One and a half nobody. tech, you know, no staff, it was right, 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 yeah. no staff. And, and it's it was crazy. wild. So had six people in the building prior to that. So Eric. When when you realized that's what was going to happen, did did your chest get tight when you walked into work that morning? Right. Like so, I, I've been yeah. there and I know what it feels like. Like, oh man, I'm taking back over the advisor position. I'm taking back over a tech position. That's heavy. It is. Um, I was definitely worried about it, but I also have this odd ability to step up when I'm under tremendous stress as well. Um, mm -hmm. There becomes the a point that I'm like. Yeah, I mean, it maybe. Um, so I kind of came in, took it in head on. I pretty much rehearsed what I was going to say in my head the night before, all night. I didn't get a lick of sleep that night. Um, both just awake. Both of us up all night, tossing and turning. I got up super duper early, man. I think I come into the shop at like 5.30 or something. 
and um, was in my office, and he walked in, put his lunch in, and I said, hey, man, you got a minute to talk? He's like, yeah. So he sat down, and he sat down with his notepad like he was going to take, and we were going to hammer that day out, right? And uh, I just said, man, I've, I've had to make a really, really difficult decision over the weekend, um, and I've thought a lot about it, and uh, I said at this point, I, I think we need to go our separate ways. And, um, once that came out, you know, you, you, you mentally internalize that and you kind of release it in a form of words. Uh, but at the same time, you know, this is a higher level position. It pays well. Typically your service advisors are pretty intelligent dudes. Um, so you have to be very careful about how you go about that. Um, because you can open yourself up for lawsuits and many other things. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was very short and just said it was a performance uh, and financial based decision. He knew we were struggling financially. Um, and it really, at the end of the day, I couldn't have paid him after this week. So it was something yeah, that was, was going to happen regardless. Regardless. One way or another. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. So, but he um, never like came to the table to be like, let's try to figure this out as a team financially. Let's try right. to figure out how we can make this better. It just was like, just continually like okay well that's cool so if we don't make i don't know where he thought the money was supposed to come from like long term they never do they you know it's funny because that. we were like, going, we were out of thin air like how like, do you think we make money here right? the car doesn't go we don't get paid it's it's the <coughs> tree in the backyard yeah right, right. Just go grab it off of. it's all out there. so here's the crazy thing so we were actually over the last couple of years had been molding him because our my ultimate goal is to buy a couple more shops. I, I would like three or four more. Um, what is wrong with you? Uh, you know, I, I'm still trying to figure this out, David. <laughs> but uh, you guys are just psychologically unstable. I mean, it yeah, it's I, I can't get the same rush. I can't get the same rush I had in the military. So we got to do it this way. Um, but uh, yeah, so we had been kind of training him and trying to position him in a situation to where we could develop him as a general manager. Um, he had the longest time with us. At that point in time, we were, he was very trustworthy to us. Uh, so we started developing him that. One of those processes is, is we teach them how to look at balance sheets and P&Ls. Um, now, of course, we leave out the, the last page or two of the P&L. Yeah. So... You know, the the week, a couple weeks prior to this situation happening, you know, we were having a lot of meetings about how we could get this business pumped back up. Um, and he sat down, I specifically remember a day he sat down in the office, and I'm just in here with my head banging off the computer, just trying to figure out what's going on. And he he's like, hey, man, I got a question for you. And I was like, sure. And so he sits down on my couch in here, and, and um, he goes, well, I, I, just, I, I just can't understand where all the money went. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I don't know where the money went. He's like, how in the world did all that money disappear? And I'm, so I, at this point, I'm, I'm pretty confused by the conversation. I have no idea where we're going with this. And I said, I, I, I said, this business is very expensive to run. I was like, you know, we got 50K in overhead or almost 50K in overhead a month. Um, and, uh, 
I was like, well, what kind of money are you talking here? And he's like, well, it was like $670,000 or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, that's, that's what you guys are making. And he's like, I saw it right on a P&L. And I said, I don't think you were looking at that P&L right. And he's like, oh, yeah, I saw it in the number. And so, yeah. He was seeing the the profit line at the top, not the bottom. Here's a a big mistake that we make. We feel like I don't want to show him the net profit, so I don't talk about it. Well, well, he saw that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, eventually. But but you know there was a uh, there was a cartoon on online the other day. You know there's this whole thing with techs that think all owners are bad SOBs that are just stealing mm-hmm. everything. And, I saw that. And I saw that. All, and so there's a, a cartoon with this this pipeline, and there's a, a starving little tech down there with a drip coming out of the pipeline, and he's getting <laughs> his little drip. And at the end, there's this huge thing coming out. And and there's this big fat owner out there just slurping up all this gravy coming out of this pipeline. And and I'm thinking there needs to be a new cartoon because the, where's the other drips? Where's the rent and the and right. the utilities yep. and the yep. insurance exactly. and the and you know and and the benefit packages and yep. the accountants and you know all of this other stuff? We, mm-hmm. If we don't explain it to them, they think you charged $130 an hour. You paid me 30. You kept mm-hmm. 90 or you kept 100, mm-hmm. and you're ripping me off. And they don't get it. They don't understand that the owner, in many cases, at the end of the day, is making less than they are. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. if you're not running your business correctly. Here's nope. the, here's the Which sad we definitely about, were, yeah, <laughs> making less. Well, yeah, it, it, but you. here's the sad thing about this. It didn't have to happen. Right. Okay? It didn't. It was, like Eric said, it's it's my fault. It's poor management. And, and so I know the KPIs I need to look at. Okay, so 300% rule. Uh, do 100% of the cars get inspected? Well, no, they don't. They never do. Not in any shop. If the car was here last week and it comes back for something, we probably don't inspect it. But somebody needs to be looking and saying, are 97% of the cars being inspected? And if they aren't, then there has to be consequence. There has to be something that gets done. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it makes me nuts because I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm like, in, in some ways, Dave and I have a lot in common. So I'm like, Son of a bitch! Poor They're not son. doing it. What the hell, right? You know, and and the 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 fact is this: when employees realize that there's only one way to do the job, that there's only one way to do the job, they will do the job that way. If you allow them to do the job a different way and to make whatever excuses there are, they will make the excuses. And it's not is I don't I don't think they intentionally go. Let's see if I can tank this business. I mean, there was no point that their guy said, "I'm going to intentionally tank this no. business." No point. Okay. No. But there was a point where he thought, they're making 675000 and they're telling me there's no money. And and I'm upset because I should get paid more, and I should do this. And all of a sudden, his attitude shifted, mm-hmm. right? And what I needed to do was catch that before it happened, right? Yeah. I needed to, when when the vehicles weren't being inspected the first time, I needed to notice. This, and, I, and I needed to say something. And the second time, I needed to say something much louder. And by the third time... I needed to lose my crap, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I needed to lose it and say, if you work here, this is how you do it. If not, I'm happy to let you go for for no performance. And by the way, if you have your your um, um, employee handbook written out where there are performance criteria in there, that is uh, insubordinate. You know, for no performance, you can terminate without any kind of consequence. 
okay? And, and I don't care what state you're in. Now, in some states, you'll probably end up paying unemployment because, like it or not, they don't care what the reason is. Right. But, but in, you can terminate for lack of performance. Doing any, it's called gross insubordination. When your manager, your owner says, this is what I need you to do, and it's not illegal or immoral, right, mm-hmm. um, then you have to do it. That's, that's, and if you don't, that's called uh, gross insubordination. And, and if, it, if we had paid attention earlier, right, if we'd caught this two years ago, when it started going downhill and said, okay, I got to get back in, I got to get interested, I got to pay attention. Um, the, and I was looking at my KPIs, I was looking at the, the inspections, I was looking at the, uh, what the opportunity was, what the sell rate was, et cetera, and I was watching that come down. That's when my, um, the hair on the back of my neck starts standing up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get in there and pay attention. Because if not, somewhere down the road, I'm out of business. And I yeah. don't want that to happen. Well, and that's why I say it was 100% on me. We had SOPs. We had employee handbooks. We have all of these processes in place. We train for multiple weeks with this stuff typically. And at the end of the day, I tolerated instead of terminated. Uh, I tolerated low-performing technicians for way too long, which put us in a financial situation. And then we turn around and have a situation up front where we're not selling. And it's kind of the perfect storm of how fast you want to lose your money. Um, you know, now I did that, that P&L situation really ground on me hard because I went home and I'm telling Worley about it. And then I wake up the next day and I'm going, this dude's in a straight way down thinking we're making close to $700,000 a year. Right. And I mean, I think most people probably would. And at that point I went in, I pulled the P&Ls and I said, I'm, let's have a conversation. And I actually showed him the rest of the P&L and I educated him further on the end of that P&L. And he looked right up at me and he stood up and he said, you're freaking crazy. He's like, there's no freaking way I'd do that for that kind of pay. And that's when he, I think, realized that we take on a whole bunch of BS for very little money. Um, there's, there's not one CEO in the country that runs a major corporation that would deal with the crap we deal with for that kind of pay. For just sure. would never happen. 100%. But, but by cleaning up the business and, and running it right and holding people accountable, you could make 400000 Absolutely. In months. I mean, Absolutely. it's not, it, you go from a, a business, you know, losing whatever it was losing, you know, 20000 a month. To a business that could make forty thousand a month, just by making sure that the things happen the way they're supposed to happen. Just in the changes, we're showing ten thousand more than we normally run. In the last few weeks, we're in the thirties now. Um, you know, we there's a couple weeks we've hit some forties, so we're getting some traction back, um, reeling some people back in. Uh, another big issue was uh, uh, client retention. We didn't take the client retention situation seriously, uh, which ultimately um, creates the demise as well. Um, so we you a know, lot of once PR games after this is to get it back. It it was there was a lot of worry afterwards. Um, you know, of course, we got the unemployment thing pretty quick. Ohio is one of those states that pr- you're getting unemployment if you get let go. Period. It doesn't matter what it is. We had a guy that was. 
addicted to drugs in our old building. We found out, let him go. He pulled unemployment. We appealed it four or five times. They took it anyways. Um, I was kind of wild about it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we pay into it for. So, you know, it is what it is. And I'm not going to harp on something like that. There's no sense they didn't in triple it. triple your percentage? Because that's what they did to me. Uh, oh, we yeah, take an awful lot of classes. <laughs> we take I an awful lot of employee classes. classes. Hey, David, when you when you know when that happens, you know what you do, David? Hmm. You raise your labor rate, buddy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to pass those costs on. So, on. so let's talk about where we are compared to where we were. Cecil, you're the numbers man. Tell us. Uh, I, I don't want to tell you how much money they made last month because they might be mad at me for telling you that very large amount. Um, <laughs> when your business is running well, um, when, you are, when you are paying attention and you're looking at the KPIs and you understand what they're telling you uh, and you're able to manage that well, you know, we, we, we went, okay, we have this problem. We have to solve it this way. We have this problem. We don't know how to solve this one. Like, what about the customer retention? What about all the people he's chased away? What do we do? So we said, let's do these five things. Let's, you know, let's call people. Let's send out a message. Let's say, hey, you know, there's been a change here, et cetera. Let's do this PR campaign to get these people back to us. Um, and so you, you put solutions in places where you can. You put solutions in places, even sometimes where you don't know what the real solution is. You're like, okay, I'm going to try this. And if this doesn't work, then I'm going to try something else. And then I'm going to try something else. And you keep, you keep making adjustments uh, with your business. And I, I don't think you have to be, um, I don't think you have to be there all the time. I, ha- I have a lot of clients we work with who aren't. Uh, you know, they spend a couple days in their business uh, a week um, and they do fantastically but you have to be on the ball. I don't think you can be an absentee owner either where you're not there. I think you have to pay attention to certain things. Yeah. And and whoever you whoever you're going to have in that position um, you have to you have to have the finger on the pulse all the time of that person because that's the person that's now kind of controlling your fate. Yeah. And and so mm-hmm. you got to be watching the numbers with them. You got to be talking about management and and I think you got to develop a, a relationship with that person that's a, a real good give and take with that, you know, that guy that's going to be your second or that gal that's going to be your second in command uh, because they have to come to you when they're worried about something or, hey, I don't know how to get these texts to do these inspections. Okay, great. Let's, here's how we do that, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, their numbers are great right now. I think uh, I, I still think we have improvements, and certainly if they sure, want to yeah. run multiple businesses, there's more we need to do to get set up for that. I know Laura Lee's like, no way, in hell am I going to do this? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, again, you can have one business and say, great, I, I'm making a, I make a decent living. I get a great paycheck. I always say, you know, if, I'm, if I have a million-dollar business, I'm probably – I'm probably taking 100 grand as a paycheck for running it, and then I expect 200,000 as a net profit. So that's a 300,000 dollar company. And if you're happy with that, that's great. If you're not, either build that one, go to two million, or you know whatever the facility can do. Understand what that looks like, and and how you're going to get there. And then uh, if if that's still you know if that isn't it, then then go to the second one or the third one. But don't be broke. Like I can't make any money in one, so now I'm going to have three. 
Yeah. Right? I, 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 it I just know. drives me nuts. You're making 4%, 5% out of one shop where you should be making 20 net. And and now you're going to buy a second shop to make another 4%? And I, I really upset a shop owner one time. I said um, they, they came in and they were really upset when we were talking about their scenario. And I said, they said, well, we're, we're getting ready to expand into 15 bays. And I said, if you can't make three bays work, you damn sure can't make fifteen work, right? You you yeah. you're just gonna you're the problems are gonna magnify. Cecil, I'm curious, how does it feel to take a, a business? And I I know it was their hard work that did it, and their yeah, ownership. I didn't, of it, I didn't do any of the work. I, I know oh my that, god, you did so much of the mental rebuilding of that's us. That's what though. I do. Yeah. Like, how does it feel no to idea. take a business that's at the brink of? of disaster at the brink of bankruptcy and bring it back. How does that feel? Well, I, I can tell you it's kind of funny because I look at the, oh, my God, we're ready to quit. We're at the brink of disaster. And I'm thinking, oh, it's not that bad. So in, <laughs> inside, I'm like, oh, it's really not that bad. Do, do we have customers? Do we have yeah. – what, what was the worst was he terminated his best technician the week before I got involved. So he, he – Well, he left. Guys. I didn't terminate so, him. Well – and we had to rebuild, right? right? That's the hardest part. But yep. so, Lucas, I don't, I don't do this for the money. I mean, I think some people, because I'm the guy that goes raise your labor aid and all that. Oh, Cecil's just money driven, and of course, I'm teaching sales, and part of sales is it's about money, right? And mm-hmm. running a business properly is about money. I mean, it's about do I have enough money to feel safe for the business to be safe to pay my employees correctly? I mean, I mean, whatever that number is, David. You know, that I can take care of my people and they can take care of their families. Do I have that? That's what that's about. I don't do this for that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I drive a nice truck. I, I wear nice clothes. I'm going to go on vacation right after this podcast. I'm going out <laughs> to California to see my son. Um, you know, all of that is, is good. The reason I do this is because when that turnaround happens, I live for that. That's the, that is the highest high that you can get period is when you help somebody go from i don't know what to do to wow oh my gosh the the world opens up in front of me i have all this opportunity or oh my god i think i'm going to close this thing and they were so down i got to tell you my first meeting uh, eric was like i i I didn't even know if i could get him off the floor he wasn't even on the floor he was like 20 feet in a in a pit right and and i remember that that's what i'm saying is and during our telephone call i could feel the emotion yeah, right. I could, such I a could dark feel, time. Yeah, and so how the strong like, he was. And and I'm I'm looking at it and I'm going. I know there's a I know there's a problem here. And I was thinking about this podcast before I came on. And what I what I want you to understand, every business owner, if your business is is going backwards, slowing down, if you're not making money, it's almost never about what you're charging. Yeah. It's almost yeah. always exactly. about the service that the the customer gets and whoever's yeah. giving them that service. And in yeah. this case, our main person didn't have any faith in our staff and didn't, we didn't catch it, we didn't fix it, et cetera, which led to further that person getting down, and we didn't fix that, which led to us getting down and then no money in the bank, which yeah. is like into the world. And like I said, I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. We can fix this. And, and funny thing, you know, three months in, we fixed it. You know, we in three months we're making in a big way too. Not and, yeah, not just yeah, like a, a little fixed it, no. right? Laura Lee, really you want to talk about way. how fixed fixed is? Um. Well, my kid's still in private school. 
uh, thought she was going to not even be in school, <laughs> period, because right. I couldn't afford to put gas in my car. Um, we, I mean, when I tell you that we were broke. With $600 like, in the bank account. Yeah. Like, I haven't been that broke since, like, high school. Um, it was crazy. I was going to my parents. My parents were literally thinking I was about to have a nervous breakdown. I was, like, shaking, physically shaking all the time. Um, it was not good. Like, I could no longer think or form sentences. Eric was a mess. And we thought we were selling our house. We had our cars up for sale. We had motorcycles up for sale. Um, I was selling purses and bags and shoes. Uh, like... You name it, we were trying to fire sell it. Retirement and money we shoved into the business. Oh my Personal God. Personal money. Took, I took money from my parents. Um, I went and asked them. I was like, can you float us a month? Um, my father happily did that for us because he believed in us and he knew. He said, you just have changes you have to make and you have to get rid of some of your management. He saw it. He saw it. My mom saw it. And we chose to not. I think we saw it. We chose to not make a move because we're stupid no and i avoided or, it because of the stress with that's why we we just avoided it or yeah we maybe that's maybe we're just avoiding i don't know and now like literally like you said on day one day one may 15th i'll never forget this day it was pivotal by the end of that we did week, like five grand that day like that day yeah. i called a fleet company and they were like we were wondering why you haven't been collecting payment nobody was even Did calling to get money <laughs> Yeah. So, the amount of like, parts sitting in the back. I mean, I think we returned close to $10,000 worth of yeah, parts that were just stashed in the back. That, back um, that was sitting on our credit card, just hanging out. Um, Found a ton of things hidden. we have that credit card paid off. We've got, so we were able to use our travel points. Thank you, David, for that tip a couple years ago. <laughs> to get the ASTE all paid for. Um, because I was cursing you when that credit card was all the way jacked up because nobody was returning parts. I was like, God, David. <laughs> but that was my fault um, so you know we were we were literally talking to the school about we need to pull our daughter out for next year we're not going to be able to have her here um and we aren't having any of those conversations anymore we were able to we've actually been able to invest we've bought a new scan tool for the shop which we thought we were never going to buy equipment ever again um we've physically brought in talent uh, from other states that have been extraordinary um and they've been team players with our vision from day one and that is so pivotal our culture change was unbelievable it's crazy and when you have those people it makes all of the difference in the freedom of the finances and it's just opened up and we're back to where we were i've been able to i'm able to take my whole team to aste um, it's paid for. We don't have to worry about it. Are we going to have money to be able to eat on? I think we'll be straight. Um, I did give up the financial side of it. Um, the lady who did our bookkeeping came to me and said, I don't think that you belong here in finance. And I was super insulted and like, what are you talking about? I got us through COVID. I am the one. And I was not the one. I am not the one. Finance is not. I'm an artist. And, and so she was like, you need to go create content and do PR control because that's what you do and get into the public. And she took over finance and she keeps up with me every week. She's got money stashed away. I don't even know where it came from. That woman's got it stashed in piles. 
And we really aren't worried about like our bills. We have um, a good two months of savings already added up. Um, we have very lofty goals with what that should look like. And it really is in part because she saw something and believed in us. She wanted to stay on board. When she saw the ship was failing, she asked to stay on board. She asked to do it for free. She said, take my pay and take it away. I will stay here with you. I believe in this job. And um, I want I want to talk on that a little bit. So the culture that we had prior to this, you know, we've always prided our shop in culture. Uh, We've always prided ourselves with customer service. Uh, Of course, when this stuff fell apart, we hired the wrong people, which took a toll. Uh, So, you know, you hire a a lazy technician and you've got a lead guy over here cranking. They're not going to like that at all. Um, So we made some bad choices in hiring, which kind of ruined our culture. Whatever happened with upfront and the attitudes with that changed the culture. Uh, And then, of course, I got down on myself, uh, which changed the culture as the leader. You know, you are the developer of the culture. Um, And when we got our staff changed over, um, the people that we have here are awesome. Uh, They all contribute in meetings. They speak up when things happen. Um, They get together and figure things out together if they're having an issue with something. Uh, the amount of help that's offered between technicians in the shop is second to none. Um, and they bring it's really, and not just problems. Yes, it, 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 and, and it helps with, with our mental capacity as well. You know, you look at this and you're going awesome. And now I'm coming into work happy and I'm looking forward to, to working with these guys. And, and yeah, yeah absolutely, man. Um, oh my God, by Sunday. Yeah, you, it has the same effect on them, right? And we don't we don't oh, think yeah. about that. If we're burnt out, if we're if we're beaten down, then then they're probably feeling the same way because we we are yeah. the the where the energy in the shop is derived from. Yeah. Toxicity and uh, mental well being is is a cancer in the shop, and if it's not well, it spreads faster than you could ever imagine. Sometimes uh, you, don't it, even you can t- see it coming. You don't, yeah. and you can yeah. you can literally take an entire <laughs> shop out in a week with bad culture. Uh, it's incredible how quickly it moves through the shop. Um, but you can build it back just as quickly. You can. So, you can. So you you guys had wanted to be out of the shop. How does yeah. it feel to be back in the shop? I see you're both in the shop. I'm only here because this podcast, be Lucas. Don't you? No, like she's it. not. She came <laughs> in to work today. Although the summer she does stay away from the shop a lot because we have our little one. However, she still writes content and we do all our own content marketing and branding in-house. We we have some companies that that move it around for us and do certain things. But all of the branding that you see from us, all the artwork, everything is developed by her. Um, So, you know, that's something she can do remotely. I come in every day. I manage. uh, I've been floating in the shop as kind of a shop manager. Unfortunately, I'm a central hub right now because we, we straight have all new people. So I'm, I'm training, managing and central hubbing an entire staff all at one time every day. Uh, but these people are receptive. They're communicative. 
Um, so it, it's, it sounds like it's more than it really is because these people work with you because they do what they're supposed to do. And because if they don't understand something, they have questions about it and they ask and we just hash it right there. Um, but that plays a big part in it. I think it prior to letting, letting everyone go and starting over Eric specifically on Sundays, like at two o'clock, he would start having like existential dread, like, yeah. Chest, yeah. headaches, not like I could see him like shut down. Like around two o'clock, it was crazy. And like I was just pissed all the time. Like I was just pissed off. So I already knew. And she's such a peach to begin with. This is my natural. Nah, she's she's a peach, man. So when she gets mad, it's really scary. <laughs> I just knew it was gonna be more crap, right? Like I'm going to put a process forward. Nobody's going to do it. I done wasted my whole time building this and nobody's going to support it. So what's the point? That's literally where I was. And Eric was just getting sick, like physically affecting him. And now Sunday comes, we're hanging out. I don't hear nothing of that. Like I got a headache. My chest hurts. He's eating like a normal human. He's sleeping kind of. It's better to that, be that's back just in the shop. shop. That's shop owner sleep. She that's said, not, kind, that's of. Sleeping, kind of. <laughs> that's just shop owner sleep. Okay. That that three a.m. Am I gonna be able to pay that? Did I write that? As, did I did do I that? That's why you gotta put the earbuds in and run that ASMR. And yeah. you wake up and you're like, did I? Nope, no. I'm gonna play something sleepy and put me right back to sleep. Don't so even yeah. think about it. I do want to say something about this whole situation, yeah. though, that I, I definitely want to get it out before this is all over, is in ASOG specifically, um, you know, Worley had reached out uh, internally in, into the moderator's forum asking what to do, which she never asked me. I never knew she did that. Um, Surprise. <laughs> but just putting it out on the table, man, I'm I'm... More humbled than words can bring uh, because of the people, the key people that stepped up for us and helped us. Uh, there were a handful of key people, including Cecil, that helped us free of charge until we could get ourselves back. Um, that's amazing. I don't know why they did it. I mean, I, it, they told me why they did it, and that's because they see something in our shop. Um in specifics of, you know, we we are very adamant about trying to change the industry as well as, as a lot of the people in ASOG and changing the industry. And, you know, before any I knew any of you guys years ago or any of this stuff, I literally left the dealership in 09 to change the industry because I was so tired of it. I was so tired of the tech, the, the toxicity in the shop and i'm not going to sit here and say if somebody that knows me <laughs> here's this i i was toxic when i was younger for sure i look back and i go oh my god how did anybody ever work with me um you know and and you know not knowledge with age i guess you know we we yeah, we mature and, and age and know that we're doing things we shouldn't be doing but the amount of people including you lucas that took my phone call and it's just it was unbelievable how people poured out their care and saw something that I basically said, well, we're just a jacked up shop that doesn't even need to be in business anymore. I mean, we're just doing the wrong things. We're doing wrong by people, uh, you know, and, and the reality was we're just in a really bad spot because 
I didn't want to fully manage my shop and I thought that we had things rolling and I backed off at the wrong time. And, um, you know, these people stepped up and helped us and we definitely would not be standing here talking or in business if it wasn't for those people. Well, we're, you can't we're be all scared to ask to for help. Part of the family. Yeah. I, I can a lot see of that. Great it's embarrassing. People. It is. It was so embarrassing. I was mortified to reach out. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I wrote the text and deleted the text and wrote the text and deleted it before I, I press send. It was the most like humbling moment to be like, I need help for sure. Laura, Laura Lee, I promised you I'd give you an opportunity to say what you really thought. Like, unabridged, however you want to say it. What, what would you say to that service advisor if you had his attention? What, what would your message to him be? Mm. <laughs> That's a hard question. Oh, man. Personally, I think, I think I'd like to know the why. Need to hear it. Personally, I'd like to know the why of what did occur. You know, like, can you just break it down to me? Like, what honestly did occur? But... I will never, and I hope that if he goes to another shop or whatever, that he learns to follow policy. <laughs> I will not allow the next group of service advisors or technicians to break outside of our policies. Um, I just won't. And when I, people might think I'm really bitchy for being like in policy line, but I know what stepping outside of it does. There's a reason corporate America thrives a lot of times, and it's because everybody's in policy. <laughs> And you know, it was amazing. The you said forth, you just have to, uh, you got to hold to it. If it's what your shop needs, it's what your shop needs. It doesn't have to be some Amen. black and white, non-movable ever policy. But God, if you're supposed to put the VIN in, put the VIN in. There's a lot of people that haven't <laughs> learned that lesson, though. There's, you know, you or we had made a post about policy on a couple different forums, including uh, changing the industry and ASOG. And the responses that I saw from a lot of the shop owners was incredible to me. And it just, the only thing that I can envision in the back of my head is a three ring circus going on in their shop because they think that Laurel E is a poor business owner or manager, or I'm a poor business manager uh, or owner because we are such uh stringent people to the policy and we stick to the policy and if you don't like the policy you can kick rocks down the road and you know it protects the employee it protects the business it makes things run smoothly it it, it it everything yes. man and so these people that are naysaying her saying she's the problem with the industry or she's the problem with the technician issues and all of these things is madness to me. And it goes to show that we still have a lot of work to do. do. And it, it do. goes to show how many shop owners, even the shop owners that are involved in our conversations on ASOG and so forth. And I don't post a lot there. I just watch. But they just don't know. And they really need to take it seriously because... If you do get in this situation, I can tell you right now that the shop that came back of ours is one in a million situation. I don't think that anybody, very many people would have come back from this. Um, well, you really can't be scared, though, either, you know, and I do think when you talk about staying inside a policy and procedure, I'm standing by that. There's a lot of fear. People are scared. Like, yeah. I will lose my team. 
let me tell you, it's better to have nobody on your team than a bunch of people who are going to take you down. Right. Yeah. But and that's the risk you take in business. To stand in this yep. empty shop with 100%. my one technician and mm-hmm. my one new girl and make a flourishing week than to spend one more moment entrapped with five people who are doing nothing. Yeah. Yep. You cannot be afraid to hold to your guns. I, you Amen. just can't. There's a reason. But the risk, the risk factor, I think, is you know, and that kind of goes back to my dad is is an older conservative banker. Is that you know he didn't want to take unnecessary risk. He straight looked at my wife after he found out what we were going to set aside for marketing when when she first took over, and he looked right at me and Laurel and said, "You're going to go out of business." And I was just like, "Oh." What do you say? Every, oh. Every dollar that we put towards marketing was one dollar we took out of our daughter's mouth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. you know, and I was terrified. Was I was like, "Oh, maybe he's right." <laughs> I was like, yeah. Cool. yeah. But the the fact of the matter is, is when you wake up in the morning, you take a risk. When you get in your car, Amen. you take a risk. When you walk Amen. down the steps, you take a risk. So what? How is this any different other than it can affect you financially, which anybody could come back from? Em- employees want stability, and stability yes. is this is how I want you to act, and if you act mm-hmm. this way and you do these things, then this is success. You you don't want to have an employee who wonders if they were successful. Right. right. And if, if you don't have policy procedure, they don't know what to do. So they do yeah. what they think. Yeah. Well, I don't need to inspect that car. Uh, well, you know, the customer, he doesn't look like he has any money. I won't inspect that car. Uh, you know, whatever. And, and employees, it's funny because probably 30 or 40% of the business we work with are on the verge of bankruptcy when they get to us. And we successfully walk them through and make them successful. So we, we don't make them, we help them, okay? But, it, and again, we influence, we help, we help you understand things, we help you see things, we pick you off the ground, we keep you moving forward, etc. You do the work. No, no good coach or consultant can come do the work for you. So, but, but if you have policies and procedures and you have a successful business, financially successful, you have happier employees, better paid employees, uh, better attitudes, everything. And and so every business that we work with that makes it through our programs, those guys, their employees are paid more, they have better culture, etc. And you can't have employees that don't know what to do because they leave at the end of the day and they don't know if they were successful. So they come back with the questions in their mind and they're not as secure. And an insecure employee, you're going to lose at some point. So they had to get rid of employees, either because they didn't have any money or because they didn't feel that they were doing the job right or or other things. They had to end up getting rid of them. What if they had managed them properly in the beginning? They may still have all those employees. They they, you know, they you can have employees for 20 years in this business. You just have to help them understand what doing the job right is Mm -hmm. and then charge for it and and be successful 100 percent, guys thank you for being here thanks for having us thank you greatly appreciate it yeah thank you thank you for listening to the changing the industry podcast if you enjoyed the show do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player and don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode
Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.